Good morning, guys. <clears throat> um, I'm going to preach shorter than normal today. Praise the Lord. Some of you are saying in your heads. Um, only two hours this time? Only two hours, yeah. So, but the reason is, is this whole week when I was studying and praying, and even more so this morning, I just feel like God wants to meet with some people. And so we want to make some space to, to respond to God, to pray um, with one another, pray for one another. And so God is moving, like whether that was this morning at, during our worship time, um, through the words that came through, he's, he knows each and every person in this room, knew you're going to be here this morning. And I believe he wants to meet with you. And so I'm going to get right into this, the, the text. And then I'm going to kind of talk us through a couple um, just talking points. Um, and the, what I'm going to try to do, and by God's grace, um, I just want, I hope this story actually just stirs faith in us. That God can actually do these same types of things today. And um, that's going to be it. It's going to be really simple. And then we're going to see what God wants to do. Does that sound okay with you guys? All right, so why don't we, last week we did this. I would like to do this again. I would like you guys to stand up and as I'm reading the text. And just, um, we follow Jesus with our whole bodies, not just our minds. <clears throat> and so we want to just give honor to the word of God and just ask him to come speak to us even now through this text. So this is Matthew chapter 8, verses 14 to 17. I'm going to read the text and then I'll pray for us and then we'll... Go, go into it. Jesus went into Peter's house and saw his mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. So he touched her hand and the fever left her. Then she got up and began to serve him. When evening came, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. He drove out the spirits with the word and healed all who were sick, so that what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. He himself took our weaknesses and carried our diseases. This is God's word. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we are here. We ask you to come and have your way amongst us, God, that you would speak to each and every heart here. Jesus, we acknowledge your presence in the room by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you are amongst us, that you're moving towards us. We're, we're being met by you even now. And so as we look at this story, I just ask that things would come alive in us that have been dead. Lord, sight would be restored that's become blind, that where things are dark, there would be light. And that, Jesus, we would leave here today with no other name in our mouth and lips other than the name of Jesus. That we'd be blown away by your goodness and by your grace. So, Lord, we come to you today not based on our own performance or lack thereof. We come boasting in our weaknesses. We come boasting in the fact that we need your help, Jesus. Help us. Have mercy on us. Deliver us. For your honor and for your glory, we ask these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Really quick, quick aside, um, the commentator I was reading this week, he said the entire Sermon on the Mount, the healing of the leper, the healing of the centurion's son, and what we just read all happened in one day. Could you imagine that? That's a good day. I've had some good days, but nothing like that. So let's hop right into the story. 
I would like you guys to use your imagination here with me. Um, and so the disciples have been following Jesus around, listening to all these incredible uh, like explanations of what the kingdom of God is like, then demonstration of what the kingdom looks like breaking into the earth. They're probably a little bit tired, and they're coming to the end of their day, like, let's go back to Peter's house and get some pizza. We'll call it Domino's. It's 50% off right now. They go back home, and this is what the text says. Jesus went into Peter's house and saw his mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. So he touched her hand, and the fever left her. Then she got up and began to serve him. This strikes me in a few ways. The first thing is that Jesus seems to want to engage with his followers in their everyday, ordinary lives. They get home, and Peter's mother-in-law is just laid out sick. It's not like they're trying to, to, to clean things up or make it look better than it really is. And so Jesus enters into the everyday life of Peter and his mother-in-law. Jesus... Um, went into one of his apprentices' houses. Jesus wants to come into your house. This whole idea of discipleship, of life with God or life with Jesus, takes place not only here on Sunday mornings, but in your everyday normal life. Actually, way more so than here. This is just a couple hours on a Sunday morning. Um, it would, so every day, this is what I want us to glean from this. Everyday ordinary life, it would appear, is where Jesus shows up. Grace embodied in Jesus Christ, comes to us where we're actually living. Not where we'd like to be, where we think we're supposed to be, but where we actually are. Writer Anne Lamott puts it beautifully, I, I do not understand the mystery of grace, only that it meets us where we are and does not leave us where it found us. Or another writer puts it this way, God is not interested in what you think you should be or feel. He is not interested in the narrative you construct for yourself or that others construct for you. Rather, he is interested in you, the you that suffers, the you that inflicts suffering on others, the you who hides, the you who has bad days and good ones, and he meets you where you are. Jesus is not the man at the top of the stairs. He is the man at the bottom, the friend of sinners, the savior of those in need of one, which is all of us all the time. Praise be to God. The story goes on. Uh, in his first miracle of grace, uh, Jesus heals the, the leper who comes directly to him. Remember that? Like he's like cries out like, help me. I need mercy. Make me clean if you would. So there's this story of, of someone coming directly to Jesus. And then last week we looked at the story of Jesus hearing the centurion's son where the centurion comes on someone else's. There's two different ways. And then today we see something completely different. In this miracle, no one comes to Jesus for help at all. Do you notice that? Jesus comes to Peter and Peter's mother-in-law on his own, which is so cool that Andrew brought this word this morning that we're met by love. Jesus is already moving towards us. He comes to us, the point is. This is the point. Jesus moves towards both the sinful and suffering of our world, not just the neat and tidy ones. And in doing so, Jesus again shows the radical love of God as the touching of a woman's hand was forbidden by rabbinical law. Jesus, again, seems to operate and behave with a sovereign freedom. And as he does this, he's restoring dignity all along the way. He heals here, we see, by, again, by physical touch. He wanted to heal her, so he did. And what we see here, there's a decreasing level of directness in these three healings. We, of course, here at Anchor Point, we do not believe that there is a formulaic way of life with God, and more specifically with healing. But what we do see here is that um, 
this would again drive home this whole idea of grace. That this keeps us as a church, as Jesus' disciples, of claiming too much for our faith. Like, he got healed because I had so much faith. Where our faith levels were high. They were peaking. They were like, the, the, the needle was peaking this morning. It's just, it's, up, it's his sovereign freedom. And our, our intercession and our love has very little to do with what God wants to do. This is all grace is the point. Freely given, undeserved, unmerited favor of God. So our faith has a role to play, but it's not the, the central idea of what it is. Our trust, however little, Jess was reminding us this again this morning, however little our mustard seed of faith is, if it's placed in the object of Jesus Christ, it is worth um, going for. So Peter's mother-in-law was touched, literally, mind you, by grace. And it, her response is worth paying attention to. So again, we're not formulaic. I'm not trying to give you a list of to-dos or life hacks, but let's just pay attention and admire the situation. The, the chunk of scripture ends this, like this. So G, she's healed. She's sick. Jesus comes and touches her without her even asking. And then she got up and began to serve him. The other gospels use them. But Matthew seems to be driving home this point here that devotion to Jesus specifically is coming to mind. What we can glean here is that grace precedes service. Grace precedes service. What is grace? Grace is love that seeks you out when you have nothing to give in return. Grace is love coming at you that has nothing to do with you. Grace is being loved when you are unlovable. It is being loved when you are the opposite of lovable. That's what Paul Zoll says. So what we see with Peter's mother-in-law, she was the recipient. She wasn't the recipient of grace due to her service, but actually the other way around. It wasn't like Jesus was like, since you made me this Peter, I will now heal you. God's grace coming to her led to her devotion. Do we see that? That's really worth paying attention to. Grace, my friends, comes first. And this is God's design. Before a real life of service to Jesus, we need to be encountered by grace. I then, in my own mind, I I picture them making dinner together. Maybe that's not what happened, but that's what I see. But the the, the night rolls on. It's not even over yet. Grace rolls on. The next part of the story we see is this. When evening came, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. He drove out the spirits with the word and healed all who were sick, so that what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. He himself took our weaknesses and carried our diseases. Uh, in two weeks' time, we're going to sp- w- spend way more time discussing uh, the demonic and deliverance. Sorry to disappoint those of you who came just for that very reason. So hold your horses. We'll do way more of a deep dive in a couple weeks. But very b- briefly, I will say this. We, as followers of Jesus, have a real enemy. Who seems to want nothing more than to destroy and undo any good in God's world. There's a book by C.S. Lewis called Paralandra. It's really cool. It's in his space trilogy. And the demonic figure, the the demon character, Satan, in the book, there's this one scene where he's talking to the the, um, Adam figure in the story. And the whole time he's talking, he's just tearing up the grass, just destroying everything he can the whole time they're talking. I think that's a really visceral picture of what the enemy is doing. Anything he can tear down, he will tear down. Anything he will do to annoy you, to bug you, to destroy God's good creation, he does. What, what we could say about the, the, the big picture of uh, the, the, the gospel 
and the whole idea of creation and the fall and redemption and the new creation is one, one thing we could say is this, that sin dehumanizes us. But what Jesus is doing here is he's rehumanizing us through grace. So sin dehumanizes and grace rehumanizes. First uh, John 3 verse 8, the apostle John says this, the son of God was revealed for this purpose to destroy the devil's works. So Jesus comes to destroy and triumph over the work of the enemy, to bring healing and hope and deliverance, to bring life that is actually life. So what we see here is him unleashing the kingdom work of God as he heals the sick and delivers the demon possessed. This is God's kingdom work being done. In these stories, we read that Jesus heals in, in these stories, we read that Jesus heals by touch with Peter's mother-in-law. And we, hear, we see here that he heals by speaking a word. I want you to think about this. There is power in the voice of God. God speaks in the beginning, let there be light. And what happens? There is light. God speaks all that we see into being. He calls the things that aren't as though they are. So this is the point. Grace speaks a better word into the brokenness of our world. Deliverance for the oppressed, healing for the sick, sight for the blind, again, unearned, unfair. The Lord himself speaks life. The voice of God is coming through the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus heals here with a word. But that's not all. Matthew, we have to remember, is writing to the people of Israel who would have known at the reference point of that last, those last two lines, which is a reference to uh, Isaiah's words found in chapters 53 of, of Isaiah. Um, and this phrase, he himself took our weaknesses and carried our diseases. This is part of a poem in Isaiah about the suffering servant, one who will vicariously take on and carry away the pain and disease which result from the brokenness that man's rebellion unleashed in God's good world. It's a long chunk of scripture, but I would encourage you to read it. Isaiah 52, verse 13, all the way to verse 53. Let me just read um, Eugene Peterson's summary of that poem. And this is uh, Jesus, of course. The servant stands in for us, takes our place. Bern Janowski is a most careful exegetical study of Isaiah 53, distills the essence of the servant's significance in a sentence. So listen to this. One person, by some action or suffering, takes the place of others who are not willing or able to take it up themselves. What we sometimes name vicarious suffering. The servant serves God. That goes without saying. But the distinctive thing that comes into focus in the fourth song is that the servant serves God by serving the sinner, by taking the sinner's place, taking the consequence of sin, doing for the sinner what he or she is helpless to do for himself or herself. This is the gospel way to deal with what is wrong with the world. Deal with this multifaceted sin cancer that is mutilating and disabling us. Variations on what is wrong are multi-form. Unbelief, missing the mark, evil, rebellion, transgression, willfulness, indifference, violence, arrogance, and on and on and on. But whether the wrong is intentional or inadvertent, the servant neither avoids it in revulsion nor attacks it by force of words or arms. Instead, the servant embraces, accepts, suffers, in the sense of submitting to conditions and accepting the consequences. 
The servant personally takes the wrongdoer and the wrong to the altar of sacrifice and makes an offering of him or her on it. The servant says to his brothers and sisters, only God can save you. You don't think you can go for him? Okay, I'll go for you. Or at least let me go with you. In these three stories, thank you, that was a long quote, but in these three stories, we see Jesus taking on the leprosy by carrying away the stigma of being untouchable as he reached out his hand and touched the leper. So think about this. He carries, he carry, takes on and he carries away. He reaches out from the inside to touch the ostracized of outsiders. He takes on the social sickness that would set the Jews above the Gentiles and carries it away as he heals the centurion's son. And when he touches Peter's mother-in-law, rather than keeping his distance to avoid ceremonial uncleanness or legal infraction, he takes on and carries away the causes and consequences of the woman's uncleanness and sickness. And when Jesus takes on the demons who afflict his creation, he carries them out of bondage and into freedom. He takes on and he carries away. This is what Jesus does for us. And he does this for the joy that was set before him as he endured the cross. Thomas Goodwin puts it this way, Christ's own joy, his own comfort, his own happiness and glory are increased and enlarged by his showing grace and mercy in pardoning, relieving, and comforting his members here on earth. Hear this, grace takes on and carries away what we are unwilling or unable to take up ourselves. What a day. So let me just comment briefly on the last three miracles um, and using the illustration of the temple. So Matthew has written this account of the life of Jesus with the Jewish people in mind. And so people who are deeply formed by the rituals and rules of the Torah. And most of these rules have to do with the temple or the house of God, the place where God dwells. So I've got a slide here. Can you guys see... Um, on the left-hand side there, there's supposed to be like the two circles representing heaven and earth overlapping. That's the holy of holies. So everything kind of works itself out from there. And so what we see um, in this picture is um, the temple of Jerusalem was structured like this. So there's the outside wall of the city, which the leper wouldn't have been able to even come into the city. He's outside of the city. So the miracle one, we see Jesus breaking down that wall and bringing in the leper. The next miracle it take, would take place in the court of the Gentiles, which is that beige thing all around the temple courts. And there only uh, Gentiles who had converted to Judaism would be allowed in. So that's Jesus breaking down the wall when he heals the centurion son of the Gentile gate. And then he goes finally into this room here, which was called the woman's gate. And so into this, like that last little bit of room there, uh, women were allowed to enter, but they couldn't go any further than that. And as he heals Peter's mother-in-law by touching her, he breaks down that wall. So wall after wall after wall, Jesus is breaking down. And ultimately, we're gonna, he's trying to lead us to the very presence of God. Right? The holy of holies is what he's wanting to get us to. That's where we were created to exist, but our sin has separated us from that place. And what we see in the story of scripture, and ultimately in this whole idea of the suffering servant going to take our place on the cross, when that veil is torn, it means everyone's welcome. Everyone can come in. And so Jesus is beginning his ministry in wall by wall by wall by wall by wall, doing away with the sacrificial system by being the perfect sacrifice in our place. He's bringing us closer and closer and closer and closer and closer and closer 
to the heart of God. Do you guys see this? This is good news. This is what you long for, whether you know it or not. And Jesus is like, you know what, guys? There's nothing, nothing like about you that's going to keep you out anymore because I'm going to bring you in by your very hand. Dale Bruner says this, Matthew, in my opinion, has a theme he wishes to carry through in his specially, specially arranged series of three healings. Namely, that Jesus is more eager to help than we realize, and particularly eager, eager, uh, particularly eager to help outsiders. That he will move beyond all religious, racial, and sexual walls and help those who are perceived respectively as unclean, as unworthy, or unequal. So he heals a leper, one who is seen as unclean, who is physically excluded. We, he see, we see him healing a centurion's son, one unworthy and racially excluded. And then we see him healing Peter's mother-in-law, a woman, one who is seen as unequal and sexually excluded. Paul picks up this idea in his letter to the Galatians. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. Jesus, we see, is flipping things right side up. He's bringing all closer and closer to the heart of God. He's saying there is nothing, absolutely nothing, I will not take on and carry away that will keep you from joining into the very life of the Trinity. Nothing. There is no wall that Jesus can't break. Jesus steps side out of the boundaries man makes and to bring us inside to the very heart of God. Grace brings us closer to God. And God in Christ finds us as we really are and brings us closer and closer to the heart of God. And that, my friends, is good news. The mystery of our very faith, that Christ has died, that Christ is risen, and that Christ will come again is what we hold on to. That one day Jesus will return and will renew his creation, the new heavens and the new earth, that God himself and man will dwell together in perfect unity. That he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. That death will be no more. There will be no more grief, no more crying, no more pain, no more sickness, no more disease, no more oppression. This is where we are heading. And what a day that will be. But for now, we live in the in-between. We live in the already and the not yet of the kingdom of God, this liminal space. Where we do see signs pointing forward to the promise and hope of what is to come. Healing, deliverance, freedom. And some of us in this room have seen with our very eyes Jesus' kingdom breaking in. Healing, deliverance, freedom. We've seen it with our very eyes. And the, the good news is this, that God is up to the same very thing he was up to in Jesus today. He's up in the business of making us whole of setting us free, of rehumanizing what sin has dehumanized in us, of delivering us from every idea that holds us captive from understanding the love of God. And so by the Spirit of God, by, I, by faith, I believe that Jesus is move, moving towards some of us even right now. That he is actually in our midst. That he is doing what he does best. And so as we're coming to a close, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. Let's see what he has in store for us today. Um, we've been praying for you all this week that God would meet you and that you would bring your real self before him. Because this is what church is about. That we would encounter God together. And that what little faith you may have, what big faith you may have, what medium-sized, what espresso bean-sized, what, whatever size your faith is this morning, 
that you would say, hey, Jesus, I'm going to put my trust in you. What do you want to do? What are you doing in me? What do you want to do today? So I would invite you to bring your trust, whether it's weak or questioning or strong and bold, and place it in Jesus Christ, the object worthy of your faith. In that, in that place, you would see his good work done. And so we're going to respond to Jesus today. The same Jesus that we've been studying, he's actually in the room with us by the mystery of his spirit, of his incarnation, of all these beautiful things. And I want to be clear, there's no pressure. If you're here this morning, you're like, dude, I'm not feeling it. I don't know what the heck you're talking about. That's okay. That's completely fine. But for those of you who are interested, for those of you who feel like God is maybe doing something or you need help, you feel like I cannot do this on your own. This is a good day. This is a good day for you. And so if you're that person this morning, I'm not going to ask you to stand up or anything like that. I'm just going to ask us to do something really simple. Just open up your hands. And we're just going to pray a really simple prayer in a couple minutes. And I want want you to think about this one question. And I pray that the Spirit brings this to mind for you, if this is where you're at this morning. Are you finding that there are places in your life that you are not willing or able to take up yourself? That you can't bear the weight of this anymore. You can't do this on your own. You're overwhelmed. And if you could, just in your own way, just name them. And I would, I would like you to just picture them in your open hands whatever those things may be. And what we see in these stories is that Jesus' healing work comes in various ways. Some of you might be sensing Jesus already taking on and carrying away these things that have become overwhelming. Some of you might want to pray with someone. And some of you might want to just spend time in prayer yourself going to Jesus. But hear this. There are people here this morning that would be honored to pray with you. All of our leadership team is ready and willing and able. So if throughout this time of singing and prayer, if you, if you feel like you want to have, to have prayer, just stay seated and just put your hand up and we'll come find you. We'll pray with you. But again, there's no pressure. You can just do business with Jesus on your own. You can go find your community group leader or someone on the leadership team. You don't need to come to the front. We're not going to make you share publicly what the thing is. But we just want to see God move in your life. We want to see him do what he does best. And specifically, I, I want to share, I have this, I believe that God wants to set some people free from anxiety this morning. And so if that's you, I feel like today could be your day where Jesus wants to come and meet you and heal you, speak a word to you or touch you and deliver you. And so as we kind of head back into a time of worship, we're just going to have uh, our hearts and minds is kind of fixed on Jesus. Stand if you want to stand and sing. Keep, keep yourself seated if you want to just sit and do some business with Jesus. And just know if you want prayer, we're, we're so ready to pray for you. And so let's just with our sit, sit or stand, whatever you want to do. I'm just going to pray this simple prayer and just see what God wants to do this morning. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. We ask that we would have faith and trust and courage and take risk this morning to allow ourselves to be fully known by you. To lift our heads just enough to see you already moving towards us. To see you coming to bring freedom and deliverance. 
and healing. And so, Lord, you know what you want to do today. We don't fully know what you want to do, but we just ask you to have your way. Lord, we're open to whatever you want to do. Lord, we step aside. We say you must increase and we must decrease. We boast in our weakness. We say, okay, Lord, you delight in coming towards us and showing us mercy. And so we say we need your mercy, God, come. And so, Lord, we just pray that you would do your beautiful work. Heal, restore, bring deliverance. We put all of our eggs in your basket, Jesus. We put our trust and our faith in you. Amen.